Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone. And the zone sports network. Two-man game, Bogdanovich and Donovan. Crossover. Donovan hangs, brings it down to the left side and finishes off the rim. Oh, Donovan. Double team gives to Royce O'Neal. Kicks to Bogdanovich, right corner, three, no. Gobert offensive rebound and then finds Bogdanovich cutting for the slam dunk. And Rudy rolls the other way with his hands out wide like he's flying a plane after a no-look dime to Boyan Bogdanovich that will win this one. We're in a groove. You know, I think a lot of us, a lot of the offense comes instinctively, defensively. You know, I think it's it's the same. You know, we a lot of times in the beginning of the year, we had to communicate a lot. Now it's kind of just like, you know, if we make a mistake, one person has each other's back. And, you know, we're just flowing. You know, I don't think a lot of it's uh, a lot of it's not called. A lot of it's just just natural instinct of taking over. I tell you what, this show, this show is something else. All right, uh, the Jazz beat the Nets. Tenth consecutive victory, Gordon, 118-107 in Brooklyn. They've now won 14 out of their last 15 games, and they still have not lost since Jordan Clarkson joined the team. And this Nets team, Gordon, I know their their record, 18-21, and 21, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little ho-hum. They're not bad. Kyrie Irving played really well in the second half. He did. And that game really wasn't close. I, I mean, 118-107. It was 20 at one point in the third quarter. I mean, this game, in my opinion, was never really in doubt. The Jazz just couldn't quite put it away where they could just pull everybody. But, I mean, it was a pretty one-sided affair for the Jazz last night. Well, considering that the teams shot the same shooting percentage and uh, the Nets uh, out-rebounded the Jazz, if I told you that before the game, you would have thought the Jazz might be in trouble. Nope, they weren't. And they got really uh, a variety of, of of really good performances. And let's start with Joe Ingles for a second, because this one... Oh, man, uh, you ready Joe. for your most Austin-esque stat sure. of the night from last night? So Joe Ingles tied his career high with 27 points. Now, do you know how many times Joe has tied his career high? Four. Austin, you want to take a guess? Uh, I think I know it. So I don't want to ruin no, it. No, go guessing. right ahead. Yeah, isn't it eight? Six. Oh. Six. The sixth time he scored twenty-seven points in his career, and by the way, he hit twenty-seven with about five minutes to go. Come on, last Joe, night's break game. the record. <laughs> so you're just you thinking, slug. Come on. Well, and the last time he had fourteen points in the first quarter. Yeah, he was. He was. The, the word that comes to mind is kind of highfalutin. He was exquisite last night. He was on fire. Yeah, that was. I mean, six of eight from that three. That was a thing of beauty to watch him play the way he did and the thing about it is not only did he score a lot he was setting guys up and like one turnover the Jets had eight turnovers in that game is all yep that's what makes it a lot more fun to watch when the Jets hit 50 percent of their shots and eight turnovers that you can live with that is beautiful basketball and the Jets they're on a roll right now they are as you said they are very fun entertaining to watch and I, you heard the players last night say, I think Joe said it after the game, that they think they can get better. And I agree with them. Well, here's, here's the thing. So the Nets, the reason it's important, or I guess impressive, that Jazz scored 118 points. The Nets are not a bad defensive team. 
they're in the upper third of the NBA when it comes to defense. And if you look at a guy like Torian Prince, uh, a guy like Jarrett Allen, uh, these are these are players that are more than capable defensively. They're good defensive players. In fact, the only not good defensive player in the Nets starting lineup is, of course, Kyrie Irving, which uh, I. I noted something last night I want to run by you here in a second. Um, but to to do that offensively against the Nets, I think, is nothing to bat an eye at. I know there are a lot of folks out there that are saying, oh, they haven't played anybody in this stretch. And, yeah, I got it. Oh, they played they, they play the Clippers. I, I got it. And, and they beat the Clippers. But people who complain about that are not complain about it. But point that out. They're not wrong. I mean, they haven't played the NBA's best teams in this run, and it came actually at a really good time for this team. How many of them but, have been on the ro- half of them been on the road? Right, and the Nets are a decent team. That that was a good win last night. It yeah, was a good win. I agree. And they played really well doing it. Now let me let me run this by you, Gordon, because I know how down you are on Royce O'Neal. I'm not uh, down on Royce O'Neal. All right, I just don't think he's a superstar like you do. <laughs> I think he's a superstar. Now who's overstating things? You said he should be cut the other day. I did not. Uh, I never okay. said that. Maybe you didn't say that. Um, but you you look at uh, most teams out there have a player you got to hide on defense, right? Um, you know, we saw it with the, we've seen it with the Jazz in, in previous years. But you know, like Portland's got to find a place to hide Damian Lillard, right? Yeah. I mean, Houston's got to find a place to hide James Harden. Like most teams have these, you know, uh, uh, players that are liabilities on on defense and and um, some certainly, of those cases they can play defense they just don't true but in the Nets case it's certainly Kyrie Irving no doubt about it and of course where did they hide Kyrie Irving last night Gordon where for the most part on Royce O'Neal so which you look at the Jazz starting five right now where uh, I mean where would you if you were uh, Kenny Atkinson the head coach of the Nets where are you hiding Kyrie Irving that sounds like a good idea Royce O'Neal mm-hmm. right uh, of course. Um, even though Royce shoots over 40%, he's probably the most weak offensively of, of the Jazz starting lineup right now. So one thing, when Mike Conley comes back, where do you hide Kyrie Irving? Yeah, I don't know. So that might be something to keep an eye on when, when Mike Conley comes back and, and really hits his stride with the team. I think it'll take yeah. a minute. Um, They'll probably put him back in the starting lineup right away, but I bet it, it's a week or two until he's actually playing starter minutes and, and really maximizing his role. But but you see my point there. I mean, yeah. that could be a big advantage when he comes back if it works. Is where do you hide? Where do you hide your weak link on the right. perimeter defensively against that particular lineup? And I'm still and worried. It extends the bench from there as well. So yeah, I'm still worried about about. The defense in the you know with the starters when Mike Conley comes back and we'll see how that goes. They're still top but, ten, and the offense right now after that slow start they're eleventh I believe their offensive rating, so they're almost top ten in both, which is what I talked about before the season started. You said top five in both, no, but okay, I, I I did not. Did I say that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did because I thought it was it was pretty noteworthy. Mm. Because you know, I think you might be stretching it a bit, but uh, anyway, whatever. You said top five in both because I said I thought that they were going to slip defensively, and he said, "No, they're not going to slip defensively. Now they're going to be a top five offense." You mean a top five defense? Well, the argument because they were a top five defense, right? And I argued that their defense was going to slip right. a little bit, and you put your foot down and said, "Bite your tongue, sir! That defense <laughs> will not slip because Ricky Rubio was hot garbage on defense, and so now Mike Conley, what's going to be the difference?" Well, Mike hasn't really had much of an opportunity. We'll have to but see how that goes. This was your opinion then, of course, and th- and then you said, "Oh, now they're going to have a top five offense, top five on both," and 
Next stop championship. They have. I didn't. I didn't say that. I said that's what it would require. But uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Conley. This is this is going to be very interesting to see how if he, as he's observed from the bench, front row seat, seeing the way the offense is working. Now does he get the idea? Now does he understand how he can fit into that and make it work? That that that's really the the next big question at both ends of the floor. But right, you know, with the way the guys are playing right now, and I, when I say that, I include. Moutier, Moutier is just, to me, he's impressive, man. He hits important shots. He, there is uh, no real drop-off when he comes on the floor these days. He's been very good. He has. Real quick, though, just, to, just so we have the updated. You mentioned the Jazz are 11th in offensive rating. That is correct at 110.8. They are now 8th in defensive rating, 106.9. So it's really good. So if they're top ten in both, okay, they're not top five, but that's pretty darn good. Well, they've been the number one offensive rated team of over late. the past month. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> certain head coaches in college football out there are in a particularly good mood today. Uh, USA Today has compiled a list of all the uh, college football coaches at public universities and their bonuses and what their bonus uh, what they were bonused for. Um, FBS public schools, Gordon. Bonused out more than eleven point four million dollars this year. Yeah, and a whole bunch of it went to just a, a handful of guys. So, who are you interested in? I mean, some guys. Uh, you you know what? On a on kind of a broad perspective, uh, something I noticed like some some coaches are much more incentive like their contracts have to be much more incentive laden than others like you know some of these big name schools their coaches don't have as much bonus probably because it's all built into guaranteed bottom line cash sure whereas other coaches are really bonus heavy like somebody um like just an example of what we're talking about that that i found uh interesting is if you look at um I'm scrolling down to it, sorry. If you look at Oregon and Coach Cristobal, he's actually not one of the uh, highest paid coaches in the Pac-12. Uh, it was not one of those splashy hires where they're paying someone $10 million. So his contract is obviously much more bonus-laden because he he bonused out at $1.175 million this year, Gordon, Ooh-wee. which is not quite to Ed Ogeron level, and we'll get to that in a minute, but it's close. I mean, he and he got bonuses for every win uh, eight and after. He got 250k for wins eight, nine, and ten, and then uh, got some uh, additional compensation for winning the Pac-12 title game. So, I mean, 250k for those wins—that's, I mean, that's as heavy a bonus as, as there is in here almost. And your average listener hears that 1.1. And change is that what you yeah one point one seven five. That's that's one point two million dollars. It's just in bonuses. That's hard for your average listener to relate to. Uh, it certainly is. I mean, uh, and yeah. these are public universities. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, you you ready for Wits? Because because Wit was bonused out uh, almost as much as anybody out there. He had a good year okay. on the bonus front. He made six hundred twenty one thousand six hundred sixty seven dollars this year in bonuses. Wow. Good to be Kyle. Mm. All right, so here's what he got. $15,000 for a team in top 25 of Anway coaches or AP media poll in preseason or during the season. So fifteen k just for being ranked at some point. $216,667 for a sixth win non-college football bowl game. So just for being bowl eligible, he got uh, $216,000. 
Well, that's easy these days. Uh, 50K to clinch at least a tie for the Pac-12 divisional title. 50K to play in the Pac-12 championship game. 85K team, uh, team among top 25 college football playoff rankings. Uh, increases total for rankings to 100 grand. So if he's high, it can go as high as 100, but he got 85. 55,000 for Pac 12 Coach of the Year and 150K for National Coach of the Year, the Bobby, excuse me, the Bobby Dodd Award. He got how much for being the Pac 12 Coach of the Year? 55,000. Who votes on that? Is that the media? Uh, I don't think it's the other coaches. I think it's the other coaches. Well, that's so. That's what you. Know, the The one thing about Kyle's bonus structure that I found interesting is he put the vast majority of his bonus money just for being bowl eligible. That's smart. Yeah. Because as you said, that's that's pretty automatic. So if that's yearly, I mean, he's easily pulling into an extra two hundred fifteen k without even breaking a sweat. So if he's making what three and a half million, and just for all, everything you just rattled off, another six hundred and some thousand dollars. So he's on north top of four. Of so that's you know, that's just sports these days, and that's yeah. probably not counting perks like you know, country club memberships and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's if you get yourself in a situation where you can be successful, and your system works, then being a head football coach is just a terrific job. It Gary, really is. Anybody else you're really interested in? Gary Anderson uh, bonus fifty k this year for being bowl eligible. Okay. A Bronco, Bronco's bonus. Actually, I thought his stuff was uh, reasonably small, considering he made seventy-five k, uh, one for seven or seventy-five. Oh, he had to make more than this. I don't know. They got the wrong total here, but seventy-five k for being bowl eligible, and then fifty k for winning the division. Sounds like he needs a better agent. Well, they they have the overall total here at seventy-five k, but it's obviously more than that. It's one hundred twenty-five k because he's paid like three point four, I think, something like that. Um, Chris Peterson, 75K. Mike Leach, 75K, both for becoming bowl eligible. Uh, Craig Bowl of Wyoming, 150K. He, he, now here's one, here's an interesting one. He gets $100,000 for a regular season victory over a Power 5 team. How about mm. that? That's nice. a lot of money just for one win. So, okay, so we get the picture here. Do you think this stuff is going through coaches' minds as the action is unfolding? Absolutely. How could it not? Uh, just for example, Ed Ogeron, $1.775 million in bonuses. five hundred k alone for the uh, college football playoff championship. Mm. So he had $500,000 on that game, basically. That's a lot of cheddar. And you wonder, seriously, you wonder why these coaches are so emotional because they, they either just made it or lost half a million dollars. How would you be, Gordon? See, I thought it was all for the good of the kids. I, I, I and thought, the state of Louisiana. Yeah, isn't that what yeah, he said? Right, and, and the 500K he just put in his pocket. It's not about me. It's about the players. It's about these kids. I hate amateurism. Pay yeah, those about, college athletes. It's about half a million dollars to me, but uh, I won't mention that. So, it, get this. So, just for just for making the playoffs, those are on 225K, all right? Winning a college football playoff semifinal, another 150K. Mm. And then winning the uh, college football playoff championship, 500K. So what is that? I mean, that's like 800K in the on playoffs alone. It's still nothing compared to what your average NBA player gets, you know. And uh, these guys are like CEOs of companies, essentially, 
but compared to the the average fan, this is that's that's a steep company right there. So it's a good day to hit wit up for a loan. <laughs> Everybody in his family. Good day to talk. Dinner's to Kyle. on him. You're looking for a little, you know, startup cash for your next venture. Wit's your guy. Nope. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm Our, sure he appreciates that. Now he's going to get a bunch of phone calls from people saying, "Hey, can you help me out?" We just noticed you. You got an extra, you know, little payday <laughs> what are you there. Do the extra six hundred k. You got to put it somewhere. Because I've got put this. Put it in my uh, pocket. Nope. Because I've got this magic juice from Central America that I, <laughs> I've bottled and. And uh, I just need to get a few people under me, you know what I mean? And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start making the real cash. You can't spend it on yourself, Kyle. Right? Lend it around. Nope.